Here we are. We're back at Ephesians, this time chapter 3. And we're, this is a chapter which we can actually move through at some speed. I think I rushed the first two chapters, frankly. This one you can move through because he's got a couple of points to make to set up the instructions in the last three chapters. So uh, he refers to his own history. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles. Anytime you see a, uh, for this reason, a therefore or something like this that points backwards, we do look backwards, even though we were just there last Wednesday. The whole church, the whole universe built on a foundation of Jesus the Christ. And the church is the unfolding of his master plan here on earth. That's the point. You can take a look at um, verses 19 through 22 of chapter 2. You kind of refresh yourself there that we are citizens of heaven now. We are strangers, we are foreigners here. And we need to remember that. And we travel with a different king, a different master than the people about us do. Doesn't make us better, but it certainly makes us different. So we shouldn't be surprised when that difference brings out positive reactions or negative reactions. For just as Jesus told us, we are the salt of the earth. And science, salt is one of the many, there are many of these, positive forces. What that means is that you, you have to equate for the presence or the absence of salt in chemical reactions, chemical equations, um, so many things. You either want salt in or you don't want it in. You are never neutral when it comes to salt. Well, we are the salt of the earth. And as strangers and foreigners, in chapter 2, we will be uh, the generation point, a spark point for both positive and negative reactions. But if we can go through life without causing those, and people, you know, they're all right if we're there, we're all right if we're not, we're not doing our job. Now, we never, never, never try to become a cervic or cause a scene or be negative. We are always striving for the positive, to live in a positive and a kind and loving and giving way. It's up to how people receive that, that show us whether we're salt or whether we're destructive. Uh, and we shouldn't be destructive, of course. How did we get Paul? We remember that the story of Saul of Tarsus. Again, most of you watching these Wednesday classes are pretty much soaked in scripture already and you're just watching how it unfolded as we look through it as it was written in the order the books were written uh, in the first century so that unflowering of what becomes christianity <clears throat> and what becomes a church can be seen right in front of us sorry about that <clears throat> didn't have it until i hit the record button happens all the time but paul has a story he used to be a Pharisee, a lawyer. He used to be uh, a very high individual in the faith and very, very faithful. But he had not understood the Old Testament scriptures and therefore was caught unawares by Christ. Once Christ and he had a confrontation on the road to Damascus, all of the questions Paul had about the Old Testament, all of his interpretations shifted and came into line and he saw that Christ was the one that was talked about all through the old scriptures and that 
Christ was the one he was to bow before and serve. And so he refers to this here. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by, by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed through the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Let's, um, let's talk about a word that keeps showing up here, mystery. It showed up earlier and I skipped over it on purpose. When I was growing up, people would, uh, ministers would do uh, lessons and they would say, now the word ministry, uh, mystery rather, comes from the Greek word that is the same as our mystery for battle plan, you know, mysterion, a battle plan that was only revealed the night before the battle. And that's a really great story. And sometimes that's true in literature, but that's not what Paul's going for here. He's writing to the Ephesians. The Ephesians were in the middle of, of course, Ephesus, where there were mystery cults and mystery religions. These have always been very, very attractive to a segment of our society. Back in the 1800s and 1900s, <clears throat> although there are still a few around, the theosophical people, uh, the people that fall for uh, a lot of new age, everything from new age medicine to new age philosophy, to, and none of that's new. It came out of mystery religions in the past. And some religions are mysterious on purpose, like the Zoroastrians. Um, they really have no interest in you knowing about them or joining them. They, they are a group and they marry within the group and they stay within the group. There have been many of these that have retreated off and many of them, if not all, become cults. Some started that way. Ephesus had Diana of the Ephesians, but around Diana, and that was a mystery cult, by the way, there were great mysteries. You had to go to oracles to understand you know, the portents and what, all, what the birds flying this way meant, I'm not making that up, uh, about what the rocks that you found in your garden, not making that up either. All of these mysteries, and you had to go to these mysterious places that had smoke and they had fire and they had chants and they had robed individuals hidden in rooms. All of these things are part of mystery religions. And Ephesus was in the middle of it to the point, if you remember your book of Acts, when Paul preached there, a riot broke out because the people in charge of the town said, no, 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 this guy's killing our business. He's killing the reason we exist. He's killing our identity as Ephesians. See, our identity is in Christ. If somebody's identity is in something else, there might be a rubbing spark point there. And there was with Paul. Paul actually had to leave. Later, one of the Ephesian uh, nobles wrote out saying, listen, I'll cover the cost of the riot. And Paul was able to get out. Much later, we find the Ephesian believers burned their books. Uh, it, they'll be referred to as magic books in most of your literature, most of your versions of the Bible. Um, magic just means knowledge, um, a search for hidden knowledge, hidden power, not available to all. 
And that's another form of mystery religion. So really what they were burning was their, their books of incantations to Diana or to Artemis or to any of these. Interesting point. The church in Ephesus struggled and they had riots uh, around them. The church didn't riot until the church burned all of their books for and about the other gods, turning their backs on the other gods. And then it grew and it prospered. And it always makes me wonder, well, what hidden gods are holding me back? And what hidden gods are holding you back that we've not turned our back on because we enjoy their company too much? That may be something that you could work with with your house church or with your Bible class. Walk them through that and see what, what they say to you. So, this mystery, 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 now you know why Paul's talking about it, saying it was a mystery that I was chosen, but then that mystery was revealed in Christ, and then the mystery was given to the apostles and the prophets or preachers, the evangelists. They, those words are pretty much the same in application. You can find differences in, um, in the dictionary or a thesaurus or, or the like, but they're pretty much used the same. Prophet meant to speak about God in public settings. So apostles and prophets, they were given this mystery. And that's where we could play with the word battle plan and it begins to make sense for us, saying this is our plan, this is our plan. This is how we're going to leave our house today. We're going to leave founded on Christ, wrapped up in Christ, full of the Spirit of Christ, guided by the Holy Spirit, loving Christ and loving every person God made. That's the plan. And it is a battle plan, uh, frankly, because there are a lot of people out there that are, are making it hard to love them. And uh, by the way, me too. Um, I, I can make it hard to love me. Never mean to. I think, I think a lot of us just kind of fall into that. So make yourself lovable. Uh, but then love others even if they're not. How's that? So he says, I'm a servant. Uh, I'm, he, he, I'm a prisoner, he started. Now he says, I'm a servant of this gospel. The word servant he used here, if you're following in the Monday morning messages, we're talking about the Bible and slavery. The word servant here is a servant that is there because they want to be there. And while uh, you know, America landed the free we're going, oh no, who would want to do that? Well, again, listen to the Monday morning messages and you'll see it was a whole different world. And sometimes the best path upward for you was to join yourself to a family and serve them. Those of you that several years ago followed Downton Abbey uh, would have seen the terror in people's eyes as a servant at the thought they might lose the job of being a servant. It, it gave a certain status and prestige because when you served a house that you got to use the name of that house. You, I, I serve at Downton Abbey. That was, that was more, um, it gave you more status. It gave you more power in the eyes of others than if you said, I served down at the pub in the village. Well, even that person was better than a servant. Who, and you see, they rank them. Even when you work with homeless people, you learn very quickly that among the homeless, there are ranks and you find who's in charge and who you've got to talk to to get certain things done. He is saying, hitch your wagon to God. Get in here. I'm a servant 
of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm a prisoner of his and it's willing. I'm ready. And he's calling the Ephesians to join this new, okay, new battle plan, new mystery religion that isn't a mystery anymore because God's opened it up in Christ. He says, although I was, I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. What? Start, hang on. How can we say that Paul is the least of all of God's people? Uh, well, we can't, but he can, and he did. I've often thought, well, Paul, you were till I came along. God likes to use unlikely people for his work. He likes to use the people we wouldn't have picked. Think of Noah. God finds Noah. Noah is faithful. God tells him to build a box. That's, that's what the word ark means. Big old box. Now, according to the story in scripture, it took him 100 years to build the box. Does that mean it took 100 calendar years? No, they used phrases and it took a long time. Which makes me think Noah may have been the most awful, unqualified carpenter of all times. But 100 years, there it is. Uh, I had one person email me um, oh, a couple years ago saying, oh no, Patrick, it took him that long to gather the animals. No, God gathered the animals. Have a look at the story again. Uh, the feeling God looked down at his carpentry skills and went, oh, okay, we'll get the animals. But also he seemed to be the world's worst evangelist because the only people who went in were his family. And we don't know that they were all, all of his family went in. We just know the ones named and their spouses. So God likes to use people you wouldn't have used. The, you know, Abram to Abraham, some serious issues. Jeremiah, yeah, David, oof. Job, oh boy. And yet that's who God uses. And we could also say Mary Magdalene. We, we, could, we could talk about Ruth. Uh, we can talk about Rahab. God uses people many of us would have thrown away or thought were not suited for his kingdom. Paul says, I wasn't. Paul says that he, and in fact, Paul doesn't go into great detail in this passage, but we know that Paul hunted Christians. He prosecuted them. He was witness and um, he, they were told he, hold the, he held the cloaks that would indicate he supervised the stoning to death of the evangelist Stephen. Paul had a lot in his past. And he says, I'm the least, I am the least of all the Lord's people, but this grace was given me. And we've got to catch this phrasing. This grace was given me. So Paul was given grace. That's not what he means in this one. Uh, the NIV tries to set this apart with a colon. This grace was given me. And then here's what the grace was. And that, that may be the best way to do it in the English language. What was the grace? That God allowed him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished. Past tense, that's very important for what we're about to talk about. Past tense, he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him 
and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. All right, there, there's a lot there. Um, there's a lot there. First of all, the warning. All of my life, I've seen it. We've, we referred to it in the other lessons already. Uh, people will say, well, these must be the last days. And many of them will then find something in scripture and go, oh, look. You know, there are even books that were really big back in the, oh, when was that? The early 2000s, I think, the Genesis Code. And this isn't like the Da Vinci Code, which is just a complete hash and had no history in it while claiming to be history. Uh, the Genesis Code would do things such as if you look at every seventh letter and if you uh, and then if you do this by another holy number 40 and then you do this by and all of a sudden the secret is revealed God says he's already revealed everything he's going to reveal he revealed Christ his love to us through Christ and he sent his spirit down to help us live as Christ that's it. When people show up at your, at your door or online claiming they have found hidden wisdom, no, no. There wasn't a part two written on gold plates in New York for a young man named Joseph Smith to find. There wasn't. There wasn't hidden meanings and conspiracies of mistranslations that Charles Russell could find and then publish his watchtower to show that Christians had intentionally mistranslated scripture. And now he knows, and by the way, his Bible is one of the worst, I don't know of any worse translation of the New Testament. And if that gives you any hives for me to say that, we have the evidence. Uh, he just didn't know Greek. You see, I don't know Greek, but I admit it. And I go find people who know Greek. I don't go look at a couple books and go, wait a minute. It wasn't a cross, it was a stake. It wasn't a, you know, just on and on and on. We don't need that. We don't need hidden gospels. We don't need hidden messages. Think about that. Think about what that would mean. That would mean that every person who diligently read scripture, loved God, and followed God with all of their heart were wrong, stupid. They weren't as smart as the person who just found this in scripture. What are the odds? I would say to you, the odds are beyond calculating because it's not it, it just can't be. God has said it's been delivered. In fact, the book of Jude tells us to contend for the faith which was once and for all given, was, back then. And some people say, yes, yes, but then it was lost. And again, to go back to Joseph Smith, he supposedly asked the angel, well, then what church should I attach myself to? And he said, none of them because they're all corrupt. I'm going to start one with you. And if you've ever read about the first hundred years of Mormonism, you know that everything from the Danites to plural marriage, it was not a gospel. It wasn't good news. I think Mormons are wonderful people. Don't get me wrong. But I don't need a Bible part two. 
I don't need a Bible part two in the form of a person either, a cult leader who can call themselves Christian, but who stand and say, all right, now here's what you're allowed to eat. Here's the way you're supposed to do this. And then develop control over a people. No, this is one of the reasons why I keep insisting that our safe harbor is, is a heart pumping out Christ, love and grace but that you are your own brains and you're going to have to figure out what you do with Jesus, where you are, with what you've got, with who is there. That's your job. We have no interest in being the gatekeepers of the kingdom of heaven or the revealers of ancient secrets that nobody else is smart enough to find. In fact, what we're trying to do is say there aren't secrets, that this is available. Oh yeah, there are parts of the Bible that are very difficult to understand, and I'm not sure we really yet understand them. But none of them apply to my salvation. They're just things of interest, maybe of history or science, or they're just things, or even theology, they could be of interest there, but it's not about what saves us. What saves us is very open in Scripture. We can find that. All right, I'm getting a little preachy. <laughs> but we can approach God with confidence and freedom. And that's what it's about. And by the way, almost every week, I get emails from people who are not happy with our freedom at our safe harbor. And they are saying, well, would you let this group in? And well, what about this? Or do you do, um, what you? and they're so concerned. And I just keep saying, it's not my net. It's not my church. It's not my house. We will let God determine who's in or out. But if anybody wants to be a member of our church, Obviously, email me, patrick at rsafeharbor.com. He'll put you in. Why? Because you want to be part of us. And even if you don't believe God or you don't believe in God, we're all right. You come along with us. We'll see what the Holy Spirit does with you and with us along the way. We'll probably both be surprised. Freedom. We approach God with freedom. And no wonder then, Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. This will drive you to your knees in gratitude. From whom every family in heaven and earth and derives its name, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being, hang on, here we are, rooted and established in love may have power. What kind of power? the power that loving people brings. Together with all God's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, it's just too big, but that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is again why mysteries and sudden findings in scripture are not just suspect, they should set off all your alarms. You can already be filled to the measure with the fullness of God. He is not holding back. The same thing that drives these people to find hidden codes or hidden scriptures and develop new religions around them is the same lie Adam and Eve fell for in the garden. And that lie is, God is holding out on you. There's something special you need to see. 
That's what the devil did. He said, God taking care of all your needs. They're going, yeah, yeah. So you can eat from anything, any one of these trees. And Eve goes, well, you know, we're not allowed to eat of that one. And then she even adds to it because we like to, we like to add to God's commands. We can't even touch that one. We'll die. And the devil goes, no, no. It, there's a special wisdom in this tree, special knowledge. You're going to be like God's because if you eat this, you're going to know what right is and what wrong is. And you'll be, you'll be introduced into the deep mysteries hidden. God's holding out on you. And people are still falling for that today. The murders uh, that are around Chad Daybell and the Church of the Firstborn, uh, a Mormon splinter group, there are many, many of those, was just following the, the murder trials again, where people followed because these new revelations are coming to me and to the point of killing their own children because the leader says they've gone dark. They are now zombie spirits. That's in America. That's in the last couple of years. People are still rallying around the mysterious. And it is destroying them. They, they, they come around churches and they impoverish themselves with real estate and glitter and show when it's about loving and serving. The money that you give to us, it doesn't stay here. It go, there are salaries. We're always up front with that. I'm full-time and we have one, two, three part-time people. And we have one or two contract people that if they come in to help with sound or something and we'll pay them for that. But otherwise, the money doesn't stay here. It goes to work. And we very frequently mention One Generation Away and GraceWorks because they're very local. There's the Bread Shed up in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. But a lot of you, oh, by the way, the Mayfield and Kentucky response, a lot has gone that way. A lot is still going to Waverly, uh, an hour and a half west of us that never had a flood and then had a flood within a couple of hours that wiped out the town. We're there. When we hear that somebody is, needs help in Louisiana or Florida, that uh, you know, a hurricane has hit them, whatever we can do, we have rules because 501c3s have to have rules. But you need to know we're, we're free to love here. We don't have to say, well, we really can't give or take care of that person because we got to build a bigger bell tower. No, that doesn't happen. There are no mysteries. Love God. Love one another. Take care of yourself too. You're to love, one and, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. God assumes you love yourself and that you should. In fact, he's going to bring that up through Paul in chapter 5 here. Oh, foreshadowing. Well, this ending of this, this chapter of praise is what it really is. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him... Be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It is um, just a glory. It's just amazing. And it's been handed to us. Messes like us. People with a past like us. People with a not pristine present like us. God uses us 
to love others who are just as big a mess as us. Their messes may not be our messes. Maybe they're addicted to opioids. I, I've never been addicted, but that doesn't mean my messes aren't as bad as their messes. So while the messes are different, the message is the same. Love one another. All right, I was going to head into a little bit of chapter four, but I think that's probably a natural closing part, uh, place for us right now. God bless you. I pray that you have a wonderful, blessed year coming ahead. We don't know what's coming. The last two years should tell us that. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know this. God is still on his throne and our message is still the same, that he loves you and everyone else and that we are to serve them in love. God bless you. Have a great week.